Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up, we connect with Sherry Boudram from Can Delta to talk about all things psychedelics dealers license that you can receive from Health Canada, what that process looks like, who is receiving it, and what substances are they doing research and work on. Coming up, Sherry Boudram from Can Delta. Sherry Boudram, thank you for being here. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm glad we can. We had part one about psychedelics licensing. Now we are on part two. I want to dive deeper. Like, can we start? Like, what what does Health Canada consider in their applications? Like, could I, in my house, uh, have a dealer's license related to psychedelics? I'm hoping not. No. <laughs> no, you can't. There are there are very prescriptive requirements for a dealer's license, similar to cannabis, and restricts um, you know those types of activities occurring in dwelling places. Um, but I, I'll walk you through what what the application process looks like. Um, so, you know, s- similar to to the cannabis regulations and the whole application process, there are you know key components that Health Canada looks at, um, considering the activities that you're looking to perform, um, the storage, for example, the personnel that's um, involved in the activities as well. The application for a dealer's license, uh, unlike uh, for cannabis, and I'm making this comparison to cannabis because a lot of cannabis companies now are interested in diversifying by getting into the psychedelic space. And we get a lot of questions about, okay, it should be you know fairly similar or how do I you know divide up my space to allow for the different activities that happen? How do you even apply? What does that application process look like? It, it, there, there is no online application portal like there is um, for cannabis through the CTLS. It is a, a, a paper application form that needs to com- be completed along with a variety of different supporting documents. Um, the application focuses on, on five main aspects, um, activities to be conducted with the substances, what those substances actually are, storage, the qualifications of the qualified person in charge and, and the record keeping. So those, those are really the five main buckets when you're looking at a dealer's license application. So to start, the activities can range from possession, production, um, assembly, sales and distribution, transportation delivery, lab analysis, so like testing, yeah. uh, research and development, clinical studies, and then you could, you have the option of, of import and export. So it's it's quite specific. And when you are applying on the license, there are actual check boxes that you will need to check off depending on, on what you're looking to do. So it's important to really know what activities you're looking to conduct, what your long-term goals are, so that you can have that flexibility um, really upfront. You can, of course, amend the license, but you know, of course, there's there's some time that gets factored into that. And if, if you're really clear on what you're looking to do, that can just be addressed um, in, in the forefront. Um, can I just ask you, what, what types of activities, I mean, you talked about the five, the categories, the boxes mm-hmm. to check about the, like, are there some that are more popular right now than others? Yeah, I mean, p- possession for sure, um, you're going to check off. Production, 
is is one that that is typically checked off as well as research and development. Um, some companies are also looking to be involved in clinical studies. So that one will be checked off as well. Um, assembly is, a, is an interesting one. And a lot of people don't really know what that means, but assembly means if you're, for example, filling um, a capsule, that would be considered oh, okay. assembly. So if you want to make microdoses. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the capsules that I, I know people are familiar with, let's just say. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, sales and distribution. So for the most part, most companies will check off all unless you're strictly doing, you know, R&D. Um, and, and lab testing for clinical studies, and you kind of, you'll just scope it to those. Yeah. And what um, what are the substances that people are now interested in getting this type of licensing for? Are there some that like rise to the top? I don't think there's like boxes to check. Are there like, or are they? Are you? You do um, need to list the substances that you're that you're um, looking to conduct. The Controlled Drugs and Substances Act has schedules that have you know, a list of compounds, um, and um, you you will need to indicate what substances you are looking to perform activities with. If there's something that you're not sure about or or is seemingly novel, you can email Health Canada's status department, and they can determine where it lies. In terms of it, its restrictions, and 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 is it like is it psilocybin plus some others? Like, what are some of the substances? That psilocybin, psilocin, uh, DMT is also a big one. So and, and MDMA. So those three, I would say, are the the top three. Um, some groups are performing some studies with ketamine and LSD as well. It's like a whole new world, hey. It's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. It is exciting. And and um, we uh, over the past I don't know four or five years, lots of conversation about how long or how short different like cannabis licensing took or takes. Mm -hmm. um, what is the timeline about um, sort of psychedelic slash dealers licenses? Yeah, they uh, Health Canada has a a standard of two hundred and seventy calendar days. It is again non binding. If you submit the application through the mail, through paper application through the mail, they don't adhere to those service standards. Um, but if you go through them through email and, and, and submit your documents that way, they say that they'll they're more likely to stick to those timelines. But it uh, you know of course when they have requests for more information, the the, the the clock stops for that. When there's inspections as well, and you're they're doing that scheduling. Um, there's a little bit of time that can be factored into that as well. Um, so Health Canada's, you know, 270 calendar day service standard is non-binding and the, uh, the Office of Controlled Substances is actually reviewing all existing dealer's license application. Um, the reason being is that they're seeing an increase in the amount of dealer's licenses being submitted, uh, particularly where, um, you know, psychedelics and psilocybin is concerned actually. So they're, they really have the goal now of evaluating the program and the licenses and all the activities that are, are currently on existing licenses to see if there should be additional conditions that should be taken into consideration. And, and this is not only affecting you know, existing license holders, but also applicants as well. So it is taking a little bit longer because of this extra 
review that Health Canada is, is currently doing. So 270 days, non-binding, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, anyone in cannabis knows right. how much that means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So. right. But plan, plan on some, book some time for this because it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, and I would say, I would say previously, a lot of these applications were getting, you know, reviewed and decision was being made within that, that 270 days. But because of this, you know, increase, this influx of app applications and all of these, you know, the health can is pretty good at keeping their their finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry, you know, they're, they're getting better at this. <laughs> I it's hard. Say. I mean, it's, you know, I would think it's hard, although can, I mean, you tell me like was, was coming up with how cannabis, like cultivation process, manufacturing, all those things, uh, because it was all relatively net new, is that, was that more difficult than sort of a dealer's license on the psychedelic side? Was that more difficult? Uh, you mean for, for cannabis cultivation? Well, no, for Health Canada, actually, as a way to think about regulating it. Um, was it more difficult? Uh, well, I mean, in the, in the, in the beginning, um, with a lot of these dealers licenses, I mean, this isn't a new license, and it's right. not like they haven't been right. you know, granting this for other applications. And I wouldn't say it was difficult, but I think that they're realizing that there are a lot more business models um, that companies are, are looking to get involved in. There's a lot more discussion and advocacy on patients requiring access to, um, to psychedelic compounds. Um, the, the section 56 exemption was granted, as, as you know, for I think it was 36 patients mm -hmm. um, a couple months ago. And Health Canada right now is reviewing the special access program to see if they can alleviate some of the restrictions on that to allow for physicians to be able to prescribe and administer um, psychedelics. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we might see some changes there too. And um, thinking about, because we've done work with you guys around what, um, like Health Canada inspections, how they think about them from like the last, I don't know if it's the last step, but what do those inspections look like for psychedelics? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was I was talking about the, the application process and, you know, what kind of goes into, I talked a little bit about the activities that you, you, you can, you know, check off the types of substances, uh, where to find the, the, you know, the list of substances. Um, Health Canada takes into consideration the illicit monetary value of the con controlled oh. substances per kilo, kilo. Oh, wow. So that's, they consider that. So depending on what compound you select, there is an illicit monetary value associated with that per kilogram, which needs to be taken into consideration when you're um, determining what level of security you need. So the, the more expensive it is on the, I don't want to say like on the street, the higher level of security. Yes. So a combination of that and a combination of your geographic location. So, so for, for psilocybin, the illicit value is $25,000 per kilo, whereas, you know, ketamine is 50 K per kilo, LSD is hundred thousand per kilo. And I guess you want to compare it to something like fentanyl and heroin, which is $3 million per, per kilo. Oh my God. So, yeah, so I mean, when, you, when you're considering the substances that you're going to, that you're interested in, you also need to think about those combination of substances, what those values, those illicit values would be, where you're located, um, and 
that will impact what levels level security that you will need. So it could range from uh, a, a cabinet if you're doing something very simple with you know low quantities for for research and development or analytical testing. Um, as soon as you get up to production, you're going to be like bumped up to a higher um, security levels. So you'd be you know minimum level four security, and up to a level eleven. And that could range from anything from a safe, a safe in a cage to, you know, essentially a bank vault. Hmm. And it's very prescriptive in, in the security directive um, on what those requirements really are for those uh, specific storage areas or levels, which they call secure environs. Um, so yeah, so it's very specific in, in, in that regard. And so this goes back to, you were asking about the, the actual inspection. So let's say you submitted your application. Um, you essentially, the process is you submit it. Health Canada has an intake and screening phase similar to you know, cannabis applications. This one's much shorter. Um, their intake is completed in seven days, seven calendar days. And you'll get notified by email once that's done and that Health Canada has initiated the, the thorough review of your application and, and they will request additional information similar to an, an RMI request for more information in cannabis they'll request additional information if they you know have questions and once they've done the review and it's deemed satisfactory the office of controlled substance will send the applicant a begin construction notice which is similar to um, how it was in cannabis when they had a confirmation of readiness email saying that you could build so it's very similar so you know, you're proposing to Health Canada in your application what the storage will be like at your your facility and what level, and you'll explain, you know, how you're meeting those specific requirements in the directive. Health Canada will re review that, and then, you know, once it looks good, they'll say, okay, you could go build it, which is which is good because if you're going to have a high level security like a vault, you want to be able to be sure that you're installing the right thing, right? Yes. Like it could get very expensive. <laughs> We've heard that in cannabis for sure. That's right. So you'll get that notice once you're done constructing, you will let Health Canada know and they'll notify the regional inspections team who will reach out to you to, to schedule your inspection. And that happens within a 30 day window. Um, the inspection is largely focused on physical security. So they'll make sure that what you installed matches what you had in your application and that it you know meets all those requirements in the directive for that specific level of security. They'll also make sure that your the activities that you stated are clear and that the activities are reflective of um, the level of vault. Because if you're saying, if you submitted for something like, you know, I'm just going to do, I don't know, simple processing, but then you want to add, you, you, in the conversation, you know, you're, they realize, okay, actually you're doing more than that. You're actually now, you want to, you know, grow psilocybin and extract in, in addition to that. Well, how is that going to impact your security level, right, in terms of the quantity of um, substance that you're going to be holding at your site? So they're going to take that into consideration and then also review uh, the record keeping as well as part of that inspection. So they'll do their review. They will write their report. They have about 10 days to write the report. Um, and then they will send that off to um, to the licensing team in Ottawa. Um, they don't give you a report. It's not like, 
you know, it's, it's, it's a pre-licensed inspection. So it's not like you have observations that you need to address. They're going to prepare the report. They will, if they have extra questions that, you know, they didn't get to in the inspection, they will ask the applicant, but they'll prepare that report and then send off their recommendation to uh, the licensing team who will then review it. They'll make a decision. They have seven days. Well, if they're following their service standard, they have the seven day uh, decision making a period for that. And then they'll make their decision. And then they have seven calendar days for what they call it like an, an, an outtake period where they'll, they'll notify the applicant and issue the license and send a copy by mail. That's a process, eh? Yeah. Also has happened within 270 calendar days. Oh, so it's, oh, that's within, not, not the end of it. It's not another 30 days after that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, but you know, it's again, non-binding. So right. don't hold me to that. Yeah, well, well, I wouldn't hold you to it. I wouldn't hold Canada <laughs> if we hold anybody. Well, like, so it's, it's, um, what strikes me is that this is, uh, and I'm not saying this because this is what you do, but like, it is complicated. Uh, you need to, I mean, obviously it's great to have done it before or have experience of like dealing with Health Canada on such things um, and like doing it in, in a methodical and thoughtful way and, and doing it right lest the 270 becomes 370, right? Like doing it right the first time and understanding where Health Canada is coming from and what to expect every step along the way of those 270 seems like a good business decision. Yeah, there are a, a lot of opportunity for error if you're not, you know, really sure on, on what needs to get into that application, how you need to construct calculating, you know, the quantities of substances in order to figure out what storage level you need. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I actually worked under the Office of Controlled Substances, um, when I was an inspector at Health Canada, the medical cannabis program was under that. So I had the opportunity to actually perform um, inspections under that regime um, for, for security and for vaults. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot goes into that. I think that the program is really trying to ramp up that expertise. They're, hire, they're actually hiring more in that uh, in the Office of Controlled Substances program, the program that deals with dealer's license, they're actually hiring more people to review applications. Is, is so, that because they're seeing an influx? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I expect that they will continue as more exemptions gets granted, as Canada becomes, a, I mean, I think a good place to do this type of research development, um, you know, even novel processes about what's going on. Like, I think it, it look, Two, 270 days non-binding, even though you know it's going to go longer, is better than never, right? Like it's, it seems like a good place to like, there's some stability and some foreseeability that these licenses could be granted and then the work could begin. So it seems yeah. interesting that this is happening. And, and, I, and I wonder if that's, you know, obviously you've talked about sort of the cannabis companies adding this level of component, but I also wonder if people sort of leading the world in this type of research and development are looking at Canada and saying, this is actually a good place to go do this type of work. Is that, has that been yeah. your experience? Yep, that's true. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of US companies um, specifically that are interested in, in that as well. Um, a lot of US clinical research organizations that are interested in, in partnering with Canadian companies to execute clinical trials. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's really not just cannabis companies. There are yeah. unique companies that are dedicated to um, being involved in the psychedelic space. There's pharma. Pharma 
the pharma was kind of always there with the dealer's licenses mm -hmm. and they held a lot of the dealer's license traditionally. Um, cannabis companies now are, are kind of coming into that. And then there are of course, dedicated companies um, in the psychedelic space that are interested largely in, in the research aspect of it. And that's really what's gonna be driving the industry. It's, it's the research component of it. It's being able to gather enough you know, sound evidence um, and data to support the, the use, uh, the therapeutic use of, of psychedelics. And that's what's gonna drive Health Canada to make different decisions on you know, how can we establish well, there, there is a pathway for, for commercialization. It, it is really the, the, the normal drug, you know, pharmaceutical drug path. Um, but again, in order for, you know, I think the stigma and just the idea of what other possibilities and, and ways that, you know, different programs like the, the special access program can be relaxed is really dependent on, on the research as well. Yeah, this has been fascinating. It's like such a good look into what is happening in the world that you know, it's, it's, it's an application process, of course, but it's also interesting to talk about the trends that you said that more and more people are applying for this, that the, the, the types of uh, substances people want to do, the types of work that they're actually doing when they get the licenses. I really want to thank you for your expertise and the team, because I don't know where else we would get this type of info. Yeah, thank, thanks so much, Jay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see. It's really exciting. I think that, you know, within the next five years, we're going to see a, a lot of different trends and, and pathways for for companies to really um you know make this industry grow into to just something more you know and, and really be being able to help help patients and i think that's really what it comes down to i do too and i want to thank you the can delta team the psi delta team uh for for uh making this information available on business of cannabis thank you sherry thanks jay was Sherry Boudram of CanDelta talking about all things licensing in Canada for psychedelics. If you like this program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps to support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of our ongoing partners, including Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, Gallagher, Headset, and Torque Mains. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com.